These are some of my trophies. They have nothing to do with the sermon. Just wanted to bring them. I know, I'm getting close to donating them to Goodwill, but we're finding some use for them in the church, and we'll get to them in a second. Uh, you know, in this life, I, I, I like victory. I am, you know this about me, if you've been around at all. I'm really competitive, and I love more than just about anything else of like God and people like living beings, creatures, um, I, I like winning. I mean, I, it was like innately in me, my dad and I were talking about this, like whether it's nature or nurture, all that, like I just don't remember a time when I didn't think things like I just want to be better than that guy and I want to beat them. I want to be able to prove it through winning, like scoring more points for me because it was athletics usually for me. Like I just, I love the thrill of beating people and it never goes away and, and I, I just, it, it's like, the greatest thing is being better than somebody. Uh, I mean, not biblically speaking. That's just like my personal feelings. Um, I just love winning. And, and I will say, it's sometimes in my life, I'm just going to side note, uh, that it's been like that, that's gone over the top and I was a bad trash talker and lots of people hated me in high school and I liked being hated. Um, true story. Like you, I'll show you the videos sometimes. But, uh, but, but it's gone over the top. But I think as I've gotten older, and I, someday I want to write a book about this quite badly, like I've learned to compete as a Christian and like, st- like, like actually want to win and, and actually love Jesus at the same time. Uh, it's still a work in progress, but it's something hard to do. But like winning is great. And I think we all like winning on some level. I mean, these are just some of my trophies from, these are all from middle school. These are team trophies, I think most of them. Um, and uh, I've kept them forever, and I mean, you can see 1995, I was 12 years old in 1995, and, and we just, I mean, we gave everything to, to earn these trophies, like, this was, this was our life, trying to win, because there is this thing, like, the thrill of victory is, is awesome, it's incredible, and I still look back on some of these tournaments, and I think, yeah, we won. There was these twins out in Eastern Oregon, and they played for a team called Eastern Oregon, and we just we could not stand those guys. And we had the greatest games against them. And and if you say the twins to some of my friends that were on these teams still, there's like a, yeah, remember when we beat them at that tournament? I mean, there's still like that. We accomplished something. Because winning is great. We all want to win. And I think that, that winning moves past because it can be sinful in that regard, like, you know, if it's just like the idol of your life is winning things in athletics, that's no good at all. Uh, and I'm sure for many years it was that way for me. But, but I think we want to win in life. I know that I do, like I, and I don't mean beat somebody else, I, I just mean like win, like be successful, accomplish something, conquer. I, I want to be victorious in my life. I, I want success. I want to be able to look at my life and be like, hey, in that area, somebody should have given me a ribbon. You know, and, and there's different areas of life that we want these things in, but, but like in that area, I just, I, I've done a good job and I want a trophy. And sometimes we, I think, because, I don't know, because everybody's supposed to be totally even now, and nobody can win and lose anymore. Have you watched T-Ball lately? It's terrible. I know, I talk about T-Ball like every time I preach, I think, because it's just so bad. It's so terrible. They've ruined everything good about T-Ball. But like we have this, even like I can't, I can't shoot for victory in life. I just got to be like everybody else. But I think innately inside of us, in certain areas of life, we just want to be winners. That's kind of how we would say it. Like we want to be victorious in certain things. But we look at life, and a lot of times we think, like, I would like to be the champion of this area. But I feel like a person 
that is just trying to like keep my head above water, just trying to make the team. Just, I mean, I'm just like, I don't, I'm not succeeding. I'm not victorious. If anything, I'm like even, you know, I'm just kind of going through life and you can pick the area of your life that you want. But like whatever area it is, like I would like to be successful in business, but I, I you know, at best I'm just even. Or worse, we feel like we're always losing. And, and we lose things like, I mean, we say like, I, I just feel like I can't win. Have you ever said that before? I just feel like I can't win. It's a pretty normal statement for people. Like, I want to win. It's just kind of this metaphorical out there winning. There's no real point system. But I just feel like I can't win. Or we say like, I'm losing my, and then you can fill in the blank. And I put a bunch of blanks. I don't know who I was thinking about when I wrote the first one, but my boyfriend. Um, I feel like I'm losing my boyfriend. Like, I, I want to be successful in this relationship, but I'm losing. Uh, I feel like I'm losing my friends. I want to be a champion in the area of friendship, but things are going wrong, and there's turmoil, and we're fighting, and it feels like we're going to lose that. And, you know, at some points in life, like, I want life to be good, but I feel like I'm losing everyone in my life. And that sometimes is through death, like very real, uh, very straightforward way. Like, I feel like I'm losing everybody. I feel like I'm losing my battle with my health. We use some of these terms, like about victory, like battles. I feel like I'm losing the battle with my health. Health, I just, I want to be successful and healthy, and I want to be victorious in, with this physical body, but I'm losing that battle. I feel like I'm going to lose my job. I want to be successful in this job, but I feel like I'm going to lose this job. I feel like I'm losing my passion for whatever it is. I used to have such great passion for this thing, and now it's just, it's not there anymore, and I'm losing, and I wanted to be so successful and get victory in this area of my life, but I'm losing it now. I, I want to win the culture war for some people. It's like, I want my Republicans to win, or uh, as Christians, like, we want the Christians to win, and everybody else lose, and we feel like we're losing that, and sometimes that's frustrating, and uh, we feel like we're losing hope. Like, I want to be a hopeful person, a champion of hope, but I just feel like I've lost my hope. I feel like you're losing your good looks. I mean, for some people, that's the thing they want to be victorious in. Like, like I want to win. I want to look good. And, and you just, they, they get worse as you get older. And you're like, I'm losing my good looks. And some of you just feel like you're losing your minds, you know? And it's like, this life isn't what I thought it was going to be. I, I, when I was 20, I was like, I'm, they gave me the speech at the graduation. I'm like, I'm going to conquer and we're going to be victorious. And this is the generation that's going to succeed. Yeah. And you threw your hats up and then you started to live and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just trying to get by. I feel like I'm kind of losing at everything sometimes. I might be winning in one area, but as soon as I start winning in one area, I start losing in another area. I saw this quote by a guy that it's, I don't know, I'll just read the quote. Uh, if you find yourself in a losing battle, but can't accept the idea of retreat, quietly advance backwards. <laughs> and this quote is from a guy that it's weird, like, just another side note. I Googled him, right, his name, and he seems to be nobody except a guy that people quote. And he has like tons of quotes that you'll, you can see online. They're like all over the place and on this quote site. And so I don't know if this guy sits in his basement and just thinks of quotes, but he's like, he's like not a famous person. It's, but he has like, you can see like 50 quotes online from this guy that people are using um, semi-regularly. It's very weird. Uh, so anyway, if you, I'm going to repeat it. If you find yourself in a losing battle but can't accept the idea of retreat, quietly advance backwards. And that's how we kind of live our lives. Like, I want to be victorious, but I'm kind of losing, and I'm not just going to admit, like, well, this isn't the thing for me, you know, or whatever. I'm just going to kind of 
quietly, not try as hard anymore, take a step back, just go through the motions, get by, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes life is like boxing, and we look like, and I put a blank space there because I was going to use a Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather um, quote, but I heard it wasn't much of a fight, so uh, that doesn't work out anymore. Um, but, but you get the idea. Sometimes it's like we're in a boxing match, and we're just getting beat in, and, and we're getting beat up, and we want to win, but we can't even see straight anymore, and we don't know what's going on. You know, what I notice is that a lot of times, I just as I was pondering this sermon and what we're going to kind of see here, uh, this innate, deep desire for victory, just to be victorious, and we all have different areas. For me, it was sports. For you, it might have been music, or it might be in intelligence, or school, or your job, or whatever. You just, you want something to be victorious in. What, what happens, I think, is that people, as they start to lose whatever that means, as they start to kind of see that they're not going to be as victorious as they want it to be, they turn to like, like media and, and other places to try to like feel like a victory in some ways. And let me just give you the examples. I mean like people turn to books because in books they, they can read about a victory and they can feel like there's victory and you kind of get wrapped up and you put yourself in the character's shoes and victory, man. And like, that could have been me, you know? And, and people do it with, uh, with, with sports. You know, like in, in life, I'm not successful and there's no victory, but I can root for my team and they'll be victorious, unless you're from Oregon. You know, like... Uh, like it's because we all our teams let us down, it seems like year in and year out. But but like I'll just I'll get really involved in this team, and since you know my life's not that successful, I'm I mean this team will be successful, and I'll, I'll they'll make me feel like I'm part of a winner. I think a lot of people get really wrapped up in watching sports because they simply want to feel victory, and they're not feeling it in other places in their lives. Movies, right? I mean, we all want to watch the good guy win because then, I don't know, we feel like we win because we're the good guy or something like that. And, and here's the big one, and this is, like, this is somewhat of an epidemic, I think, with people my age and younger, like video games. And you see these, these young men who, who really are just not victorious in life because they're not making much of an effort anyway, and, and, but they find, like, I can be a champion if I just get a controller in my hands. I can be victorious, and I can, I can conquer. And, and, and so that I think, I think that in, in life, we all have a desire in one area or another to just get the trophy to be victorious, to win, to feel the excitement of victory. And here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. I can't promise victory in your job or your work or your sports or, or your marriage or, or, or anything else. But I can promise that, that in Jesus, and this is what Paul's going to say to us so emphatically and so beautifully. In Jesus, if you become a Christian, if you give your life to Christ then you know that ultimately you have victory and you have it already. And it's going to be beautiful. Listen to what Paul says. This is so good. This is one of the great passages of Scripture in the whole Bible because it's just exciting. It's just victory. First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty and beyond. We'll, we'll continue from there. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now, Paul's talking about the resurrection, and that's what this series is about that we're finishing today, that, that the resurrection of Jesus is important because all of our hopes, every one of our hopes, hang on the idea uh, that Jesus rose. Our deepest, darkest 
most intense hopes, longings, even if you're not a Christian, rest on whether Jesus got out of a grave. And Paul's big point has been, if Jesus didn't get out of the grave, you're not gonna get out of the grave and all those things you hope for like eternal life and, and for Christianity to be true like and the things that Christianity stands for, God loves me and I'll be forgiven and, and your purpose and your eternal glory, none of that is true if Jesus didn't get out of the grave. But Paul, as we saw last week, he said, look, Jesus did get out of the grave and you, if you're a Christian, will also get out of the grave. You'll be resurrected and you'll be resurrected into a perfect, wonderful, glorious body. Now Paul drops this in here, and what he's saying is that if we are just, and this is so key, if we are just a physical body, then we can't inherit the eternal life that we desire. If this is it, this physical body, then we can't inherit this thing that we long for in eternity, in eternal life, because this body, we know this, is going to die. It's going to die. And if we are just this body, then we are going to end. It'll be over. Game over. End results. No victory for us. It will just stop. Listen to how Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 4. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, clothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Paul says this body is like a tent. It's a short-term dwelling place for something that is eternal inside of us. And someday at the resurrection, when Jesus returns, we will get our new houses. We will get our eternal houses, the bodies that we will live in forever. And he continues. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Paul says, I'm gonna tell you a mystery. And it doesn't mean a mystery like, hey, you guys got to solve this one. This is like really confusing, you know, and maybe you can get the riddle. He means mystery like, I'm going to tell you something that has not been told before, that you, at least, these people in Corinth were unaware of. And what he says is that not every person is actually going to die. If you've been around Christianity for uh, any time really at all, then, then you know that we believe that Jesus someday is going to come back and take us to heaven. And, and Paul looks at this church in Corinth and, and apparently they hadn't heard the news yet and says, look, hey, by the way, I want you to know something. Big news, big news. There's a chance you don't die because there's a chance that Jesus comes back before you die. You see, the story that the Bible tells us is that Jesus came out of heaven to earth he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross and then he rose again. We've been talking about that. He got out of the grave. That's kind of the key thing here. That's the key thing for everything, not just here. And, and then after hanging out and talking to people and showing himself to people, saying, hey, look, resurrected, he went back up into heaven. And the Bible makes very clear that someday Jesus is going to come back to earth and then our eternal states will be started. Christians will be taken to heaven and then back to earth when the earth is remade and non-Christians will go to hell. And Paul says, hey, 
Big news, guys. That would be big news if that was the first time you were hearing it this morning. That would be exciting, right? I mean, hey, big news. Some of you might not die because Jesus may come back in your lifetime. This is important. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, in the same church, he says, we are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul says, here's the mystery. Not all of us will sleep. He uses this euphemism. And the euphemism is, is a reminder that when Christians die, they don't necessarily, they don't. They don't go into the grave. They go into the presence of God immediately. Paul wants us to understand that, but he also wants us to understand, look, just because you may sleep, not die, sleep, we also need you to understand that you may not, and Jesus may return. And the key part here is he wants you to know it could be really, really fast. The twinkling of an eye. Basically saying in no time at all, we say the blink of an eye. You've heard that expression before. And we mean like now, like wow, yeah, here it is. Like there was no warning, there was no preparing, it was just here, there, happened, done. And Paul wants the Christians to hear, look, this might happen, but man, when we look at this, looking back, it's like a non-Christian, this could happen. A lot of people say like, hey, I'll serve Jesus someday before I die. I'll get right with God at the end when I start to get sick or whatever. And Paul says, like, you need to understand that you may not actually die because Jesus, at the sound of the trumpet, will return in the twinkling of an eye so fast that you will have no choice any longer about what you do with God and what you do with this thing called Christianity and whether you've accepted, believed that Jesus rose again according to the scriptures to save you from your sins. Get right with Jesus now because the next second might be too late. And I'm not the guy that likes to scare people in heaven. That's not my thing. I, just not, I don't enjoy scaring people in heaven. But you should be scared in the heaven because of this passage. I mean, Paul is saying, in a second, Jesus may come back. And it's not like Jesus came the first time born in a manger in a little teeny tiny city. I mean, this is like a trumpet blasting and the whole world will know. And Jesus will sit some on his right and some on his left and some will go to hell and some will go to heaven. And you really want to be on the side that goes to heaven. Paul's saying, you may not get the 70 years you're looking forward to to decide about this stuff. It may come right now. You know, that's a funny thing. Because every generation, every generation, since Jesus went back up into heaven, since he resurrected and ascended into heaven, every generation has thought that they were the last generation, that Jesus would come during their lifetime. And I see this weird thing, this weird, weird thing happening in American culture today. We just don't think about the return of Jesus anymore. My generation, I think, might be the first generation in 2,000 years of Christianity that says like, Jesus could come back in our lifetimes, but probably not. And I think it's really bad for what's happening in the American church. I think it's really bad for what it does to people's spiritual lives because it allows for people to go, someday, someday I'll get serious about this Jesus thing. Someday I'll get it figured out. I, I, Katy Perry, you know who she is. And um, I often don't throw people under the bus with uh, my sermons, but I think she deserves to be thrown under the bus metaphorically for this one. She uh, has a quote that's out there, and you can find it. She has Jesus written on the inside of her, uh, of her wrist right here. And, and she said, and this is, this is a quote, she said, Christianity is something I came from and something I'll probably go back to. 
You see, you only say that if you think you have lots of time. I'll just come back to this someday. But Paul's saying, like, it could happen now. Jesus could come back this second. And then it's too late for you to make a decision about your eternal destiny. So make a decision now. Don't say, I'll come back to it. Come back to it. It's key for Paul. Paul, this is talking to a different church, uh, the church in Thessalonica, First Thessalonians. They're wondering, like, what happens to people who have died? Their question in, in Thessalonica is like, okay, we know that Jesus is coming back. That's cool. And we then will get like our perfect bodies and everything will be excited. But what about my loved one who died and they're now in the grave? Will they get to go to heaven? Are they gone forever or are they going to get the resurrection too? And Paul says this to him, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, certainly will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Isn't that a fascinating ending? Hey, Jesus is coming, guys. Jesus is coming, and, and people who have died and people who are alive when Jesus comes that are Christians are all going to get to go to heaven and encourage each other with these words. And so I just, I just want to encourage you with these words this morning. Jesus is coming back for those of us who are Christians. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we don't think of it as awesome sometimes. I said this last week, we think like, I'd like to get married first, or I'd like to see if I get victory in this life first. But Jesus is coming back, and when he does, it's going to be trumpets and loud and awesome. He's coming back on a white horse. And yeah, say amen, would you? Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. Yeah. And we're not even to the good part yet. This is just the, the buildup for the real victory. Jesus is coming back. He continues. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul taunts death. That's what he does here. He's trash-talking death. And he's doing it in the words of Hosea 13 and 14. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O oh, death, are your plagues? Where, O oh, death, is your destruction? He goes all the way back and says, like, hey, thousands of years ago, death, you knew that we were going to beat you. You knew that there was going to be victory. And here it is because Jesus died and he rose again. And so where, O oh, death, is your saying. Here, here's the problem with Paul, though. He's not a very good trash talker, uh, in my opinion, because trash talking, you're not really trying to make theological points. But Paul includes like these really two kind of key theological points that I would have left out. I just would have been like, death, you're dead, sorry, you know, done. But he says these two things, like the sting of death is sin, the first thing. And it can be taken in two ways. Through a sting, poison is injected. We get that, right? You've been stung by a bee, like you get stung. Like that's where the pain comes from. That's where the poison comes from. Uh, and, and so through sin, death has stung humanity. That's one way we take it. 
And the other one is this. Stinging is what makes something a pain inflictor. And so just as, uh, just as a bee doesn't hurt unless it stings you, so death has lost its ability to hurt you once sin and its punishment have been removed through Jesus. Basically what Paul is saying to us, whether you take it one way or the other, is, is look, hey, because Jesus died and rose again, that thing called sin, if you get the forgiveness that Jesus offers, it no longer hurts you. You deserve death. You deserve the pain that it inflicted because you committed it. But Jesus has conquered it. And so we no longer feel its sting any longer. We still sin. We still don't like sin if we're Christians. No Christian likes that they sin. It's just the reality of it. Uh, but we don't feel the long-term effects of it because Jesus has conquered sin and death. And then Paul makes this other kind of weird statement. The power of sin is the law. And doesn't that seem backwards? And this is really important because, in, you know, in Christian circles, especially in the history of the church, we, we've kind of done it backwards. We've said, like, here's how you conquer sin. Let me tell you the law. But Paul says here that the power of this thing called sin finds itself in the law. And Paul addresses what he means better, I think, because that would be confusing if he just left it and be like, wait, the law's bad or what? Uh, why'd God give it to us if that's where the power of sin comes from? And what does this mean? But listen to what he says in Romans 7, 7 through 9, talking about the law and sin and how it all goes together. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet but sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. What Paul explains to us is that sin has existed since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Not long after creation. But when the law came, what it did is it showed us that we are utterly sinful. What the law did was say, hey, look, you're being disobedient to God. And then guess what happened? People knew, like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. And guess what they did? They just kept doing it. And then we weren't just kind of not doing what God felt like we shouldn't do, what was in, not in line with God's character. Instead, what happened is we just started to blatantly disobey what God has asked us to do. We all know that, right? If you know the Bible and you know anything that's in it, you go, yeah, I've blatantly disobeyed those things. I mean, I've had moments, we've all had these moments where you just, I shouldn't lie, I know that. You know, I know that the Bible, I know that. And then you lie, right? You know that, I should not yell at this person. I should be nice to them, I should love them. I should be slow to anger, and then you yell. And what Paul's point is here is, look, before the law, people weren't just blatantly disobeying God. They didn't just, just say, God, yeah, sorry, I get it, but I've got, I got my own way of doing things. Before the law, people just kind of sinned, and they didn't really know what they should do or what they shouldn't do and all that, but they were just disobeying God accidentally. But once the law came, then we started to obey God out of selfishness, out of idolatry of self, out of our own sinful will. But then Paul gets to this good part again. He says, but thanks be to God. This is so good. But thanks be to God, he gives us, this is it, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't think he just means victory to have eternal life. I think he means like victory. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. We are champions if we are in Christ. 
This word for victory is used just four times in the New Testament. Three of those times are right here in this passage because Paul wants you to know that in Christ, you are victorious. The Greek word, it translates, means conquest or to utterly vanquish. I mean, we have won. We are champions. We have won. We have the victory if we are in Jesus. This is good news, and I don't think we think like this a lot of times. Here's kind of how I think we think about Christianity. We think like this. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. My sins have been forgiven. Part of it. You think like, I'm a Christian, so I need to live a certain way. That's part of it. You say like, well, I'm a Christian, so um, I should try to live like this. I'm a Christian, someday I will have victory. But Paul, Paul just stops. I mean, he's been like giving us this, this theological discourse, right? I mean, like the, the key, in my opinion, maybe the key chapter in the entire New Testament for us understanding our faith and what the resurrection means and why it's so important that Jesus got out of the grave and why all these guys died to tell others that Jesus got out of the grave and he just loses it at the end. And he says, where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? And then he says, hey, through Jesus, we now have the victory that we all innately want you see I think that we're so driven to sports and being successful and winning in certain areas of our life because we want what Christianity offers somewhere deep inside of us we just want overall victory we want to be champions and in Jesus this is what Paul says to us we are victorious I want to show you a clip a very important clip and this clip this clip is I think what we should feel like when we talk about being Christians. When we think about our victory in, in Jesus, this is the clip. Ready? Brand, can you give us the clip? This is what it should be like. Now to get for Houston. Nine-tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard down. And the Blazers win the series for the first time in 14 years. Should we watch it again? Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I watch it. I actually have that clip memorized, and I'm not joking. I could do the whole call uh, right now for you. My uncle and I were at that game, and I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if you remember how that game got set up, but there was, like, an air ball, and then Chandler Parsons, like, catches it accidentally, and he kind of flips it up behind him, and it goes in. I don't know if you've ever been to a sporting event. It's the worst, when you, especially when you're rooting for the team, where, like, the air just goes out of everything because somebody hits a shot, and you go from, like, yeah, to, like, did that happen? What just, did that guy do that? And that's what happened on that night. And I'm a pretty loud vocal person. My uncle's a pretty mild-mannered guy. Um, and Damian Lillard comes off that pick, and you could hear his claps, and we were way up high. Uh, and you could hear his claps. It, and he hits that shot, and I have video, and you can get on my Facebook page and actually watch this video, because I didn't even try. I just turned on my camera, and I am, every person there is like, ah! and you just hear my uncle in the back, and I'm going, woo, 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 over and over. 
over and over again. You came down the stairs and, and you walked around and, and people out in the, in the foyer, I've heard people like chanting, let's go Blazers and stuff before when you get out of the, in the concourse area. Nobody's doing that. People are literally screaming at the top of their lungs because they realize that for the first time in 14 years, the Blazers have won a playoff series. And I think when we talk about Christianity, I think this is what happens to Paul here. Paul's building and like the resurrection of Jesus, all of your hopes hang on it. Every one of your hopes. And, and where, oh, death is your sting? Where, oh, death is your victory? Thanks be to God. He has given us victory through Jesus. And Paul's just losing it. So here's what I want us to do right now. Ready? With all your might, I want woo-woos, and I want clapping, and I know we're not that kind of church, but we should be that kind of church, uh, and so uh, with me now, I don't care your personality style, because here's the thing, I found that when people, when people find victory in the things they care about, they always seem about the same, wildly excited, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that those other 23,999 people didn't all have the same loud personality I do that day, they just got excited about victory, and so will you stand up with me? Let's do this. I'm going to read this passage, and you're going wild. You're going to go woos. You're going to go whatever you need to go, and don't look around like you care about the person next to you and what they do. Because I'll tell you this, when Damian Lillard hit that game winner, not a single person cared what the next guy thought. I was high-fiving people. I would have hugged the guy next to me. I might have hugged people. I don't remember because it was so wildly exciting. So I'm going to read this passage, and you're going to go nutso with me, okay? I'm even going to drop the mic, and I'm going to go nutso with you. All right, here we go. Ready? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? What? Somebody messed that up. We're not to the victory yet. <clears throat> I'm going to start again. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah! Yeah! Keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah! woo hoo That's good. You want to do it again? You can sit down now if you want to. We think of Christianity, and we think like, yeah, this is something I got to do. This is something that's just, you know, like, whoa. Christianity is the reason that we are victorious. The Bible declares, really, because you think like, well, it's selfish to want victory. I mean, it's all Jesus' victory, and someday we'll say that, but the Bible says to us quite specifically that when we get to heaven, we're gonna get a crown of righteousness. It's, it's a term for a champion. We give trophies, back then they gave crowns. What the Bible is saying is someday you're gonna be victorious, and the Bible does say, that we'll be champions. And oh man, I just, I just picture like getting to heaven someday and it's gonna sound like we just sounded, but there's gonna be like millions of people doing it all with us. And, and you're gonna chuck your personality or looking at the person next to you and you're just gonna cheer for Jesus because it's gonna be so exciting. And then the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that we're gonna take our championship crowns, our trophies, and we're gonna lay them at Jesus' feet and go, wait, hey, it's your victory, Jesus. You did this for us. You're our Damian Lillard. Too far? Maybe too far. That's what Paul's saying. And listen to what he says next. Listen to this, because this is so key. Therefore, this is how he ends. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
You want to know why you should serve Jesus? Because I'm supposed to, because the Bible said. You know why you should continue to live for God? It's not because of that. It's because you know that it's not in vain. Because you know the victory will happen someday. Man, and Christians act like a bunch of losers. Let's just be real. We act like a bunch of losers half the time. Like we're cradled in our corner going, well, it said that the gates of hell will never prevail against us, so let's just, let's just hang on to heaven and hope we'll get there someday. It says we're the winners. We're champions. And so therefore, therefore we live for the Lord and we serve him and we chuck the other stuff and say this, I know what the prize is. I know what I have to look forward to. And so therefore I will live for Jesus every day. It doesn't say you, if you work hard enough, you'll get there, you get the victory. We have the victory. We're the champions. And because we're the champions, we strive to live our lives for Jesus. Man, we just, we just limp along. We just limp and like well, kind of get through this in the way. The way we sing and the way we talk about Christianity and how timid we are to tell people about Christianity. You think that we're the losers, you really would. You think that everybody else are the winners and we're the losers. But thanks be to God, we have the victory through Jesus Christ. If Christianity was a losing endeavor, if Jesus hadn't got out of the grave and Christianity was a losing endeavor, I'd say don't do the Christian thing. I mean, don't stand firm in Jesus. Don't give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because that's a waste if you're gonna lose. I mean, and, and really just, Kind of live for yourself and do your thing. But in Jesus, only if you're a Christian, only if on, you're on our team, you have the victory because he died and he rose again so that you might be saved from your sins. And it should drive the way we live our lives. It should drive how we stand firm in the Lord saying, nothing will move me, nothing will move me because I know, I know, I know, I know. That because Jesus got out of the grave, I will get out of the grave, and I am victorious in him. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the victory. We thank you that you got out of the grave, that you conquered sin, that you conquered death. And not only did you, did you just beat up those things, God, but then you said, look, hey, all you got to do is step onto my team, and you can have the victory too. And I pray, Lord, first for every person here who will listen online that doesn't know you, that hasn't given their lives to you, that isn't in you, I pray that they would come to you and they would give themselves to you because it's the only way that they're going to be champions. It's the only way that they're going to be the winners, that they want to be somewhere inside of them. I think we all long for it, Lord. I think every one of us long to be victorious, to have the victory. But it's only in you that we have it. And then for those of us, God, who are Christians, for those of us who have given ourselves to you, I pray that at least a week would not go by where we don't remember that we have victory in you. And God, we want to walk through this life timid, just saying, oh, I gotta get some stuff done. But God, we would claim and take hold of our victory. And when life is terrible and our, our health is no good and our finances are no good and our relationships are no good, God, or when we just don't feel that good about the stuff going on, I pray that we would turn our eyes to you and we would remember that you have hit the big shot because you got out of the grave and we have victory in you, Lord. Let us not live as losers. Let us not live and retreat, quietly retreating, God, but let us live with a passion and a fury for you because you, you have given us the victory.
We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your holy name. Amen.